Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad. And I'm Evan. And you are listening to the Monday Morning Minute. And this week in fictional news, Senlin Yu, author of the immensely popular Harry Potter fanfiction Manacled, is publishing a novel which will release in fall 2025. The novel will be a Manacled rewrite called Alchemized and will be published by Del Rey. The blurb on the Instagram announcement from Senlin Yu and Del Rey reads, A standalone dark fantasy set in a war-torn world of necromancy and alchemy, with an enemies-to-lovers romance that is by turns tender, toxic and all-consuming and for all of you wondering what is going to happen to manacled from senlin Yu's tumblr account they say quote manacled is not going anywhere at present it will remain online throughout 2024 at which point it will if you'll pardon the pun alchemize for 2025 and be removed from ao3 so manacled is not going to be on there anymore if anybody is curious what the hell i'm talking about real quick uh, manacled is a really really popular Harry Potter fan fiction. I would argue it's probably the most popular, like right up there with all the young dudes. Uh, if I'm missing one, sorry, but it's very, very popular. I've been encouraged to read it quite a few times. I've heard it's really dark. If you don't, if you want to know what it's about, it is a Dramine fanfic, which is uh, Draco Malfoy and Hermione Granger, where the Order of the Phoenix has lost the war against Voldemort and Harry Potter is dead. And to replenish the magical population, Hermione Granger is forced to be Draco Malfoy's surrogate. Oh my goodness. Uh, so it's like a mixture of like Harry Potter and like The Handmaid's Tale. Sounds dark. Yeah, it is apparently very, very dark, but also apparently very, very good. I I thought this was really newsworthy for, I mean, obviously because Senlin Yu is like a very popular fan fiction writer and this is a really popular story, but also it is an interesting kind of like facet of the publishing world where, you know, I, I saw like online, a lot of people were kind of like, it seemed kind of divided on like the legality of this, but um, this is like, it's just a strange situation because this has totally happened before where you've had a fan fiction get really popular and then publishers kind of become aware of the popularity and then they're like okay well if we just kind of like rework it change the names and stuff then we can make it our own thing in fact uh 50 shades of gray was originally twilight fan fiction that's right and, that's right yeah i remember uh, that that's crazy cassandra claire's uh mortal instruments was harry potter fan fiction oh, i think it was Ginny and somebody it's jenny and draco or something and then the love hypothesis by ali hazelwood started off as star wars fan fiction which was uh raylo fan fiction that's kylo ren and, and ray which i guess there's like a huge community for kylo ren ray wow. fan fiction which makes a lot of sense i mean if you watch those movies like they, for sure. it's a total thing but yeah so you know when i heard about this i personally was like oh that's pretty cool but then i saw a lot of people were saying this is wild like how can they do that like this is obviously harry potter content and it's like well, yeah, I mean, like, that was what inspired the story, but you can kind of, like, shift around a lot of the names, you know, the the world-building details, and it is its own story. And I'm sure that the publisher will get involved and say, like, you need to take this stuff out or move this stuff around. It's also a 370,000-word book, It's which is not short. Like, I mean, like, the, no. the longest Harry Potter book is Order of the Phoenix, and I think that's 260,000 words. So this is 100,000-plus words longer than the longest Harry Potter book. I mean, it's not short at all. I have a feeling that the publisher will probably, you know, Del Rey is like a really reputable, really good fantasy publisher. Um, so I have a feeling Del Rey will probably go in and say, okay, um, we're going to do another line edit and some more developmental edits and stuff and just kind of 
you know, clean it up and probably either pare it down or maybe add more and make a make it a duology or something. But I think that's really cool. Like good for sending you. I mean, like these fan fictions are uh, like a lot of work and they're a lot of time and they're a lot of Any effort. Book. There's like three hundred thousand words. So so I mean, get your money. Get <laughs> get published. Yeah. Like hell yeah. Like like you deserve money. I mean, you entertained so many people. I'm sure. If you can write another story that's set in its own world and you can do a little bit of the world building on top of the work you've already done, like more power to you. Go get paid for it. It's awesome. Totally. I, I kind of struggle with the like fan fiction. Some of these authors, they write, you know, and like you said, they spend a ton of time and effort and they kind of pour their soul into something that's loved by tons of people. But because it's set in someone else's world, they can't make any money off of it, which I totally get. I'm, I'm damn for, you know, oh, yeah, like, it's like the only protecting way someone's the... intellectual property rights for sure. Like I'm into right. that. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> it's like, I don't know, This it, it would be, I love artists being paid for their work. And especially when it's something that kind of captures the minds and hearts of thousands upon thousands of people. So many people. It's really cool that they can kind of take that story and then just change some of the places, names and, and repackage it in a different box and then sell yeah. it. You know, it's kind of cool as I was reading a little bit about it. Cause it's like, you know, themes of trauma, survival, legacy, and the way that love can drive one to extreme dark darkness. And as you may be able to tell a reimagined version of manacled. So that's awesome. You know, it's funny. Fan fiction exists in like this very thin gray zone, right? Because it is copyright infringement if somebody was getting paid for it, right? Totally. And I think that with Senlin Liu and like what's going on with this, the same thing with the, that happened with um, Fifty Shades of Grey and um, Love Hypothesis and Moral Instruments and stuff. It's like, then we're going into a gray zone of a gray zone, <laughs> kind of. But it's still, I mean, hey, and it's still technically like it, it, it works. We got 48 more shades of gray zone in order to uh, get... <laughs> but but uh, just so everybody listening knows, if you're not aware, um, what the protocol is regarding fan fiction is do not pay for it. Like do not buy yes. bound books from anybody. Don't send authors money for fan fiction. You can, it's not because they don't deserve it. It's because you, if you do that, then it's copyright infringement. We can't do it. We can't right. have I mean, the fan fiction. Both if people, these are people are breaking the law. Right. Exactly. So it's not because like, Oh, the integrity of doing it for free or like whatever, whatever. No, the, no. Those are fine. Whatever arguments for it. But like the real argument is you will ruin everything. If you pay, <laughs> if you pay people for it and we like our fan fiction. So absolutely. If you're a fan fiction author, you keep doing you because there's so many it. people out there that wish you could get paid like me <laughs> i mean you know there's there's probably some avenues look at look at what's going on with uh because so ask them what their cash and, app is and just say I mean, i'd like honestly, to gift you some money no don't do that don't listen to chad do that? listen to do me that? listen to okay, me fine. don't listen to chad listen <laughs> you would like but, to do that to me though no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> also like like fan fiction is so cool because you know it kind of if you're a if you're a newer writer then you're kind of practicing too i mean you're you don't have yeah. to do all the heavy lifting of world building and stuff you can just write a cool story in a world you're already familiar with and you kind of maybe take a little bit of the stress off not saying it's any it's not, not saying it's like way easier to write fan fiction but you know it, it'd be probably easier to write within a world you're already very much familiar with and then write the story you want to write in that world and it's kind of fun because i mean i write a little fan fiction myself yeah you do <laughs> and like it's really fun kind of diving in and playing around in this world with no pressure and no publishing deals and no so money. It's like building a house with the foundation no, laid, you know? Yeah, yeah no, no expectations or anything, you know? It's just, um, it's just a big playground that's already been built. So yeah, I very much encourage, uh, if you're curious about fan fiction, to read it. And then also, if you're a writer, to write it, for sure. You're right. What a good, like, 
activity for like practice, like you said, because I'm sure with writing a book, you know, it's like there's so much time involved in the world creation. And it's like you can create and I have created an entire world before and then was like exhausted after that board. And I didn't actually practice writing at all. It didn't help me become a better author because I didn't use it. I was just tired of thinking about it once I built the world. And so if you can just jump straight into the writing without having to build and construct this world, like that's awesome, especially for the world that you're like stoked about, you know, right, like exactly. I really like being really in this like world, you know, being in here. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Tell me about your week. Oh man. Uh, this week, what did I do? Dude, lots of podcasts is what we did. Yeah, we did a lot. <laughs> it's just a big blur of podcasting. Uh, for anybody <laughs> yeah. that's curious, uh, our Lightbringer episode will be coming out tomorrow. Chad and I recorded it over the weekend, and then we did we did so much podcasting over the week that we both didn't work on the edits at all for the episode. Nope. We just let it sit uh, on our respective like computers. I know. I wanted to put it out today or yesterday, Shabbat, actually. So. But yeah, it's you know <laughs> just didn't want to do it. Um, but it'll be out very soon for everybody that's curious about our thoughts on Lightbringer. Speaking of podcast stuff, uh, we are on track to record our next Throne of Glass episode because I finished Crown of Midnight by Sarah J. Maas. I know this is a really cliche thing to say, everybody, but I think there might be just a tiny little bit of crack in these books. Uh, this, <laughs> it, it, is, it is very, very easy to totally <laughs> lose track that you've just read 300 pages. And like, I mean, I don't... <laughs> I'm not like totally in like love the with the series yet. I mean, books. yeah, I mean, it's very, very cool. Uh, I'm not like enamored with the series yet. Mm -hmm. I think what's going on in the story now that I finished the second book, I'm like, oh, okay, I can see what I can see why this is about to get really cool, you know. And I'm oh, really it's like the bacon of stories. It's the what? <laughs> the bacon of stories. You know, it's like you don't want to eat like a whole meal of it, but you totally could if someone oh, just put like a bacon. To, it's delicious. Like, yeah, yeah. We're about to eat a whole, But when you sit back and think about bacon. like, is this the best piece of writing that I've ever like? Why am I so no, into this? And it's not. like, I don't know, but it's real good. <laughs> I mean, the reason I'm so into it is because like the characters are really awesome. I mean, I really like Dorian. I really like Kale. Not Kale. Not Kale. Kale. That's Kale. Kale. Like it's, it's apparently it's like chaos. But with an L, it's Kale. Oh, Kale. oh that's yeah. a good way of putting it. Perfect, Kale. That's totally okay. fine with me. I like Kale. Um, I like Selena. I I just like what's happening. I like the development. Don't like Dorian. I like the world building. No, I the said I like Dorian. That was the oh, first okay. guy I, I said I like. Oh, no, I missed that part. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I like Fleetfoot. Even though the name Fleetfoot, we kind of joked about that. Dude, <laughs> man, talk about your like name generator like names. You know, yeah. two AM playing D and D. Like, I need a name for my steed. I like second. I like the second book quite a bit more. Um, I thought the first book was fine, but yeah, the second book is definitely really blossoming, and I'm just like getting way more of a feel for the world. And I think we're about to expand the world like way more um, cool. after reading what the ending was. Um, but yeah, I mean, Throne of Glass is cool. Quick question for you, because I'm not uh, all the way done with it. Do we get any more? understanding as to the depth of the king's character because i remember that when we finished the first book i was like i'm really confused as to who the king is how much does he know is he involved is he yeah yeah the, keep reading like it, okay 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 that's why i like the second book a lot because i feel like it, it took a lot of our questions and it was kind of like okay i know that that was annoying so just <laughs> here's the answers to all of that now we're gonna like make this into a big like epic fantasy and i was like cool, cool. i'm buckled in like i'm totally here for it not to mention we're about to we're about to read um after this book after these episodes we're going to read the assassin's blade which is a short story collection or a novella collection i should say maybe a short story and novella but that takes place all before the events of the first book and so that was the order that the author said we we're supposed to read it in. So we're going to read Assassin's Blade next, and then we're going to move on to Air of Fire. I think listening to the author was a good move. Huh? I said listening to the author and reading it, and like she's yeah, like, read it in this order. It's like, okay, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. I'm excited for a book of short stories 
Yeah. They kind of like interject in the middle, you know, because we always get like the second book blues. And I was thinking about this the other day because like the element of romance in a book and like really using a lot of time is that it really captivates you as a reader. And I wonder if a lot of stories that like, you know, we always complain about the second book blues in a trilogy. If there was like maybe more of a romance in the book, you could make the second. I feel like you could really cure a lot of the second book blues if you focused a little bit more on like the romance as you're expanding the world to accommodate the third book in a whole series, you know? Uh, so oh, if you're yeah. an author out there and you're like, man, my second book kind of sucks because I'm doing way too much world building and I'm stuck in these blues. Maybe add some love in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm yeah I mean like I definitely am pretty into uh I'm pretty curious about the love story in in these books I, I gotta I gotta admit man I, I'm definitely like what I, it, it went in a direction that I was definitely not really expecting so I know my predictions were pretty good though I think both of our predictions were pretty good uh, uh apart from that I read another book called, by P. Jelly Clark it's my first P. Jelly Clark book called The Black God's Drums which was a novella and I really, really liked it. It was awesome. I read it in like one day. Um, it's like an alternate history book set in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana after the civil war, like where the Confederacy got the armistice that they wanted. Mm. So it's really, but there's also like a cool sci-fi element. There's like kind of like an influence of African gods. I can't like explain too much about like what the black gods drums are, but when I figured it out while I was reading it, I was really stoked. And then the ending was really satisfying the way that it all kind of like shook out and the main character is like this teenager who's been living on the streets and kind of wants to get out of there and also has been like influenced by this african storm god and it's so much like world building and alternate history crammed into like one little novella so i would super recommend that but p jelly clark has been how many pages like 120 something like that cool yeah it's really really good i love new orleans p jelly clark also re uh, wrote a Master of Jin, and there's a couple of novellas in that series as well. And then also uh, Ring Shout, which I'm planning on reading really soon too. Because, man, yeah, people kept telling me, like, P.J. L. Clark, you have to read him. He's like so, so good. And as soon as I started The Black God's Drums, I was like, yep, this guy's, this guy's awesome. So, what do you say? He's anything particular about his writing style that you're like, oh man, he's really good at this? Or I mean, is it just like, it's easy? For this book, he wrote in a kind of like Cajun, like Louisiana dialect. It's like a first-person book. She removes all and, consonants. <laughs> well, I mean, it's really cool because uh, typically I don't really like reading stuff in dialect. It just kind of takes me out of it. But the way that uh, Clark did it, it just really worked. Can you explain that? Reading in dialect? Um, so like in, in like a Redwall book when you have like one of the, the moles that's like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, he, yeah, like yeah, he writes yeah. out the dialect instead of like oh, saying what the dialect is and just having it read correctly. It's like, we're just going to like write out all of the dialogue or like how Hagrid right, we've talks complained about Potter. that in the past no i complain about it constantly it's like a thing that always bugs me in books and when Same. i first started this i was like oh is this in dialect and then i was so fine with it though like it's just wow. the way that clark did it it was just very very good it flows really well yeah i mean it's just i can't recommend it enough it's just an awesome book it's a surprise um but i guess not really a surprise because everybody had sung clark's praises so much but um and I think I had started Master of Jin, and I was like in between other books and stuff. And I read like the first like five pages, and I just wasn't vibing with it quite. And I put it down, and I've had Ring Shout on my shelf here for a little bit, but yeah, really good. <laughs> okay, so I read like fifteen pages of The Will of the Many, the new James Ellington book. Oh yeah, I promise everybody, I'm 
I'm reading it. <laughs> I'm just, I need to report back next week because I got kind of distracted this week with Deadhouse Gates and all the podcasting we did, finishing up Lightbringer, well, the podcast at least, and getting all the notes together for that and stuff, finishing Crowd of Midnight. I'm also doing a ton of writing and revising and editing right now about stuff I can't really super talk about quite yet, but I'm just really heavy on a lot of different writing projects and stuff right now too. So uh, I've been very, very busy with things and um, with the will of the many. <laughs> It's like the right when I started it, I was like, "This is cool. I don't have time for this." But I promise, I'm gonna. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not gonna DNF it or anything. I'm gonna because I know that everybody is really excited about this book, and I really want to give you my thoughts on it. I just need to like carve out some time to read it um, because I'm sure it's really good, and I want to. I don't know, man. I I've kind of changed my tune with like reading books that are the first book in an unfinished series, and like I like it now. I want to do it. I'm like excited the second book now you know what i mean like i totally, want to be yeah. excited for i want to go buy the second book like the day it comes out and stuff i and love hearing so, that that's awesome yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's pretty cool i i don't really have any like super concrete thoughts about the will of the many yet if anybody's curious what the will of the many is i don't know because i'm going into it blind but it seems to be from what i've heard a kind of like school trope but like Roman influenced like school trope mm. kind of like fan high fantasy secondary world okay um but it's James Islington, the author that did Lycanius Trilogy. Lycanius was the first series that Chad and I did on this podcast uh, when we were but uh, infantile podcasters, you know. Oh, we, baby podcasters. Yeah, we were doing three episodes per book and just it was kind of like a mess. And we thought we were going into that book just like about to have like the, a donut yeah, of yeah. fantasy. Just easy, nice glaze, nothing crazy. No, and man, we accidentally walked into a voodoo donuts and it was like covered in Captain Crunch and mixed in yeah, with all the other sorts of crazy best. stuff. That was a very good analogy for what like Hanius is. Like it, it is <laughs> it is really cool, uh, but just don't go into it expecting like a fantasy jaunt. Like that's not what it is. Like it's a lot more complicated than you think it is. And very ambitious but still pretty cool i mean i have fond memories of quite a few scenes of it but if you you know held my whole family hostage and told me that i needed to tell you what the plot of those books was i don't think i'd be man yeah but they'll always have a special place in my heart as they we first put our roots into the book podcasting world and so you know i'll always be thankful to that series for leading us down into that world you know yeah i'll let you know what i'm thinking about the will of the many it's probably going to take me a couple more weeks at least to finish that one and then, uh, yeah, old uh, old Deadhouse Gates. We're moving right through it. We're right on schedule to get another episode out. I mean, I love it so much. It's just uh, this is dark and heavy and slow and confusing and amazing. All all of those things all at the same time. So with Malazan, I kind of have to like really sit, just carve out time. I put my laptop right in front of me, so I'm yeah. there to take notes. You know, it's yeah, like cause if you just yeah. yeah, if you just keep trying to read it, man, you'll forget the nuance, and we gotta. We got to keep the nuance in in our recaps yeah, and stuff. It's a lot. It's a lot of yeah. Books. It's a lot. I've only read like two hundred pages of Memories of Ice, but I remember like the prologue. I was like, I remember vividly being on a bus reading the prologue and just being like, I thought I had a handle on this series. Like this doesn't make Dude, this any series does sense. that to you. Like, You're yeah. like, I think I got it. I think I got yeah, it, guys. Yeah. I'm here. I'm here. And then all of a sudden, like something comes out of nowhere, and you're like, Oh, I don't got it at all. But that's pretty much it for me. I mean, I started watching that show Andor, the uh, the Star Wars show. Oh the yeah, to the prequel to Rogue One. I've only got like a couple episodes into it. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't love it. I wrote into the Discord in the uh, the the shows category 
down there. Um, I was like, should I keep going with this? It's kind of slow. And everybody told me that I definitely need to watch it because it's really, really good. Um, I think it's just okay. a different kind of Star Wars show. Then it's just not bombastic like at all. It's like very grounded and very like personal um, and oh. a little darker and like just kind of like more explorative, I think, of like characters and stuff. And I mean, it's it looks amazing and like the the writing is really good. I like the main character quite a bit, but I think I need to like sit and binge like three or four episodes, you know, and like really get is the whole season it. out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hell yeah. It's funny with Star Wars. It's like worst case scenario, especially with today's technology and it being owned by Disney, who just has like money, you know, lots lots of money. And uh, so it's like worst case scenario. And I will be first on the list of people to have some major criticisms when it comes to some of the movies that Disney has made. But worst case scenario, you're going to get a really pretty movie that's like really full of awesome looking things and places. And or is the opposite so far from what I've watched two episodes but it's the opposite of the new Disney movies. Like it's wow. it's serious. There's no kooky, stupid. Like I mean, there's still like <laughs> you know, there's a cute, lovable, stuttering robot uh, that I love so much. Um, Revenue, baby Yoda. It's just not. Yeah, like no one's drinking like that weird green milk from the weird alien thing, or you know what I <laughs> no mean. No one's like, milking space cows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's about it for me. Um, pretty busy week actually. Yeah, with reading and writing and and doing stuff, but. Yeah, it was good. What about you? It's funny with this podcast schedule. It's like, I'm so stoked because like I really we both have been, I think, doing and doing a good job of it of trying to stay on top of our schedule and just like making sure we're not getting overwhelmed and stuff. But I will say the one thing that I'm always like, oh, shucks, is when I finish a book, I'm like, man, boom, got it in the bag. But since we're doing these like every week that like I'm up to speed, caught up, I'm good to go feeling lasts for until like the very next day. And it's like, oh, I, re I really need to like yeah. start this book again or else I'm not gonna be able to hit next week. So it's ongoing, but it doesn't feel overwhelming or like I'm falling behind constantly like a lot of last year was. So uh, I'm pretty, pretty stoked with this year's schedule and how we've been handling it. Okay, so Dead House Gates, uh, great, you know, not to just repeat all the things you got here, I'll only do it that with Dead House Gates and Crown of Midnight. But Loving it. I don't have too much else to say. You guys should be following along with us and watching or in reading the books. If you're ever going to read Malazan, pick it up. Even if you're a book or two behind us as we go through this, there will never be more action uh, or people who are talking about it in the Discord. So I think it's just a really good time to read it and you can have kind of a team. Like it's like, you know, it takes a village, I feel like, to read Malazan properly. And we've got that. So uh, do it with us because it's so much fun and so good uh crown of midnight i like i said i haven't finished this book yet but i'm pretty stoked as to the expansion of the world it's like the first book left me with some huge gaps it's like okay like how does this work and how <laughs> yeah. does that work and there was and this book is slowly starting to fill the world in i'm kind of excited when you said that it looks like the world's about to expand in a major way which i oh, feel yeah. like yeah. we need you know a little bit weird that we've got like the love story is a little like like we did some good predictions of it but it is a little like oh huh. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I'm like about halfway through Crowd of Midnight where I was like, hmm, interesting. All right. Yeah. Like, okay. Then, okay. But then like kind of towards the end, I was like, all right, badass. Like, let's keep going. Okay, cool. Totally. There's a part with that at the very beginning of the book where um Dorian, I won't say what it is or anything, but Dorian makes a realization and then he does something inside that we'll talk about at a greater length. And I was like really proud of him. And I thought it was gonna be a different direction than the story was gonna take. And I was like, wow, what a healthy way to deal with that, you know? So I don't know. I kind of stoked with and and maybe he goes off the chain at the end or something. <laughs> but as of right now, I really like some of the characters, the growth and like maturity that they're showing, which is nice. Uh, I also have some like major questions about like the world's best and most infamous and feared assassin who like really seems really averse to like killing people. Was she always this <laughs> way or, <laughs> or just now, but you I, know, so it's real. 
sometimes going to great lengths. There's anyway. reasons. There are reasons. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. I'm glad there to know because so, man, so right now he reasons. seems like the most unassassiny assassin that ever uh, didn't assassin. You know. Well, I mean, you know, she she's not just like she she doesn't love killing. You know, so that's well, true. True. But I mean, it seems cool. like she should be numb to it at this point, right? Like if you if you've killed enough people to go to become infamous and feared, then like you probably got enough under your bag that you're like, oh, it's just another body, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I know that's maybe. how I feel whenever I no, I'm just yeah, right. <laughs> Chad is a lifelong assassin. I'm a podcaster by night, assassin by day. I know, weird, but oh. that's how I roll. Um, okay, I'll say, so last week you told me with one of the my favorite emotional inflections for you to put into your voice of when you're like, oh, Chad, you would love this. I just like, ding, my brain was like, that's a book that you should read. So I did, which was Project Hail Mary. That book was awesome. I started it and finished it the day after we did our Monday morning. So Monday, I guess. Wow. Um, I just like opened it up and I read it all the way through. Wow. And I loved that's so cool. Every page of it. It's such a good book, man. It's awesome. Such a good book. Yeah. Andy, I've never read anything by Andy Weir before, and I couldn't be more excited to read more Andy Weir because like his writing flow is amazing. Like it just the way that he constructed his story, because like that, that story is at risk of being pretty boring. Pretty long, like, too. I mean, it's not a short yeah. book. Yeah. No, it's not. And like, it's kind of like Castaway, the movie. Like, it was at right. risk of being yeah. in a really boring movie, but it yeah. never was. And it was, I mean, there was a, times you're, a few times you're like, okay, let's keep putting the boat together, man. Um, <laughs> Seriously, there's definitely some parts of Project Hail Mary where I was like, hey, man, like a whole paragraph where I know what any of these words mean would be super right. cool, you know, like, but that's, I guess, on me for not knowing my scientific no i mean <laughs> you do, you're not like an astrologist or like figuring out high level math or anything calculating like the curvature of planets and like gravity yeah. and stuff like i don't know but it's like what was he supposed to do like dumb it down for me like no use the real science it's my fault totally. for not you know what i mean like you can't just like why would he waste his time writing an entire book and be like oh hopefully people understand what this it's like no you have to keep it in there you're in space totally makes sense totally do you know what sort of education andy weir has as a background sure. no, i don't know because he must be a pretty mathy guy. Because I would look up some of the equations that he would say in the book. And I was like, I wonder if that's real or if he's just like, oh, X equals T oh, yeah, is I'm the sure Tremoshos equation yeah. or whatever. And most of them were real. Yeah, like they're actual, like, and some of them were theoretical, but like the math was correct, you know? And uh, I don't know. He added in an element of amnesia that was didn't have to be in the book. But because it is in the book, it, it's like a brilliant lever to include in his story because that's the thing separating the book from being actually boring and not is you're discovering because the character himself doesn't actually remember a lot of things and so that it was just a brilliant move by Andy Weir to like throw that in the book and I think he's a pretty self-aware writer because he was just like okay this is a really cool story it's really interesting but like we're going to get stuck in the doldr space doldrums, you know, a few times yeah, here absolutely. as we have just the distances involved kind of require large periods of time to go by. And, uh, I loved it. I thought it was just a very unique and creative space story. Have you ever seen moon with Sam Rockwell? I don't believe so. No. It came out like in the late two thousands, like early 2010s. I think uh, I can't remember exactly when it came out. Um, but it's a guy, it's about a, it's about a guy alone on the moon doing work. And, uh, it's very similar to project Hail Mary. Also got a really cool kind of like twist to it, you know, and a um, really good mechanic, kind of like what you're talking about. It's like Memento and Project Hail Mary mixed together, which I guess Ooh, is very cool. Kind of what Project Hail Mary is. too. <laughs> but yeah, you, should, about you should watch Moon. It's really good. Yeah, it's kind of what it reminded me of. Stuff. Yeah. And Sam Rockwell rocks in that movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you haven't read The Martian, you absolutely should. I still haven't read. And we wrote that too, right? Yeah. Or yeah, just okay. watch the movie because they're like pretty similar. 
Um, I didn't know that. And I like halfway through, I was like, this is really like The Martian. And I was like, man, I should watch The Martian. So I looked it up yeah, and then I was like, anywhere. oh, it's written by him too. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. Um, but then he wrote another book called Artemis, uh, which I haven't read yet. I've heard it's pretty cool. Uh, and then he wrote a short story that I really love called The Egg. The Egg? Okay. Yeah. It's about like reincarnation and stuff. It's a really awesome short story. But yeah, he's just got a really cool brain and a good sense of humor. I mean, like, I think that sometimes while I'm reading him, uh, it's definitely like a little a little cringy sometimes like some of the jokes that he makes it's not even cringy it's just like dad jokes you know i was just gonna uh, say he's a dad joker yeah, yeah. he does dad jokes um which isn't bad at all but well, he just can't let a pun go by and i really respect that honestly because neither can i in that book isn't he a teacher yep uh-huh. okay yeah if I remember, of kids yeah right so uh, he's like a he's like a school teacher so i mean it, we've all had like that teacher in school who was like just like above and beyond a total dork you know totally who, he's like really like, cool he's like trying hard really though to be awesome. cool yeah yeah so that's like the i think that's the vibe that the main character in project hail mary gives uh so i don't think it's like andy weir's writing style like with a big capital s but i think that with that book specifically he was like let's make this guy like a total nerd totally you know, he has like this thing in his class where he never explains the game fully, but he like rewards students for like answering questions correctly by like throwing them a beanbag or like throwing like hooking a beanbag at them kind yeah. of. Which I liked a lot. One of my favorite teachers in school had these hacky sacks, this little bag of them similar to his beanbag that he wouldn't that his was more of a punishment because he were like talking to a friend or just like gazing off or something. He would just huck one at you. Um, <laughs> and sometimes you would like miss and hit the people next to you and stuff. It was pretty funny. But yeah, he had just this little bowl of little hacky sacks. He would just hit you in. And like, man, you could get those things whipping pretty hard too. And um, I wonder if that would be allowed these days. I don't know. <laughs> I remember like there, there, there was a, I had like an early morning biology class in high school. It was like the first period and somebody would always fall asleep. Like, and cause yeah. I mean like biology is cool, but it's also like, you'll, you can fall asleep in a biology class. My teacher, I can't remember his name, but he would always, if a kid fell asleep, he would get one of the textbooks and then he would like go to the adjacent desk and have the other kid like move aside. And then he would take the textbook and just slam it on the desk really hard and it would wake yep. him up, which is like kind of mean, but like also, you know, falling asleep in class and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You should say that the teacher that I'm talking about with you think he also had like a golf club with the head removed that he called his ugly stick that he would do the same exact thing. If a kid fell asleep, he would sneak up and then he would slam the ugly stick down either on that kid's desk. If his face wasn't on it or the one next to him and just like, man, it would really, it was not a good thing to wake up to. No, definitely not. I don't think I fall asleep in school very often, actually. Oh, I used to sleep in my photography class, and I got I got like a C in that class. That was another like really early morning class, and I wouldn't sleep in the class because with photography you're supposed to leave and go take pictures and stuff. Well, that's like why you take that class. You go off campus and get breakfast and stuff. But I was like, uh, I was like a sophomore or something. I didn't have a car yet, Uh, so I was just like go find like some weird spot in the school. Just just, like go sleep, sleep or read or whatever. Dude, I've definitely taken naps in the theater room before, for sure. In my videography class one time, we had a substitute teacher. The teacher was like, oh, okay, what we're going to do. And she had this whole plan laid out. And we're like, actually, like the entire class has been doing this Halo documentary. And so we're like, need to get some time to. And we like convinced her that we were doing a like video game documentary. And so all the kids who lived near the school drove and went and got their Xboxes. And then we went and got a bunch of TVs and we linked them all up. And we had the largest LAN party I've ever had. We had like two cameras pointed at it, which weren't even on. Like they didn't even have tape inside of them to record on. And the substitute teacher was none the wiser. And we played Halo all day and it was fantastic. It's so funny about those Halo like LAN parties because like not to not to sound like, you know, kind of like just an old man, but 
<laughs> I, I hate saying stuff like this, but I feel like it's just like not a thing people do anymore. Ugh, no, so it's not. But what I mean though is like it's that kind of like now it's all online and everything. But I remember, but it's just funny like, with the passage of time, like thinking about it, it's like those land parties I, that that would fill up like. 20 hours of my time you know oh, what i mean like it's so and great effort had oh, to go in to set them up oh my gosh getting out the tvs yeah. and the xboxes and, and like then setting up the network yeah. yeah like getting it to work was kind of hard and it was just like hey halo online like halo 2 online for anybody that's curious i mean you're basically just like sticks with guns hopping around and <laughs> and mostly what <laughs> Halo, so like, good dude, believe me man i have put so <laughs> much mouse, time I, i've okay but i played i played on my xbox i played so much halo don't even get me started on it but like i and the most halo that i played was halo 2 and like but what i what i've slowly started realizing after i've like played a lot of other games um and a decent amount of like online competitive shooters and stuff like that is like <laughs> we really have come a long way because halo back in the day it was basically just like you would just run at each other while shooting until whoever hit each other first won. And like, that's like 80% of the conflicts in Halo. Like obviously the Which better you, can't you do are now, now you got to cover. Oh, there's, all kinds of, there's a lot of different stuff you, you have to do now, but it's just funny thinking about those land parties and like thinking about how simplistic Halo two was and, and how we're just like jumping around shooting at each other for hours and hours on the same levels, like over and over again. Oh dude, hang them high. That was my jam, bro. Hang them high, no shields, pistols, and sniper rifles. Man, <laughs> that was the best. But also thinking about how loud and disruptive we must have been to right. whoever's poor Gallons parents. Gallons of Gatorade. But, oh, my God. It's Mountain Dew and Little Caesars, man. Dude, like, oh, my gosh. Mountain Dew and Little Caesars. Yeah, would you ever buy a Little Caesars and then sell it? Like, I would go and, like, charge, like, two bucks per slice, you know? And it's like, you could get, you could make, like, 15 bucks off of a $5 hot and ready. It was awesome. <laughs> no. It was a little, uh... No, I didn't do that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Chris, I thought everyone was an entrepreneurial... <laughs> nope, I was just, running around trying I just to get ate pizzas. the pizza. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Man, I wish the $5 hot and ready was still... Is it not? I, think I it mean, is. it's like a six... It's like five ninety nine, right? Is it, is it... I think it's like $7 now. Oh, is it? Wow, $7 hot and ready? That's not... I know that the $5 foot long isn't a thing. That hasn't been a thing in a long time thought you know the economy's circling the drain man we got we got yeah, dude, we can't get a foot long of food <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny man I, I used to work at subway when they were giving out the little tickets you know and every mm -hmm. time my friend would come in i would just like spin the thing and give him so many and i remember that day you were like you like came to my house and you were like guys you like told everybody you're like i can't it's give you guys free <laughs> just yeah man God, didn't you get sick of smelling like Subway like constantly? The smell sometimes, and this is when I only I would only ever smell it when I went into my car because my car I would sometimes have my work clothes because I would go straight from high school to my job, and there were times that I'd like get into my car and I'd be like, "Oof, it's like Subway in here." But when I was actually in the Subway store, I stopped smelling it, and like yeah. even today, it's silly. I really like Subway. Like a Subway sandwich oh, is delicious. So gross. Dude, and funny. like i acknowledge like, i'm not eating like you know the top notch quality or anything i get it but uh it only took me one time in high school of going to subway on my lunch break when i actually when i eventually did have a car i went to subway and i got like a spicy italian and you know the works well, those I got are rough. Everything. Oh, it's a lot of pig it's a lot but uh so I, like then i went back to school and sat down in my class, and this girl that I had a crush on right next to me was like, "You stink like Subway." Oh, like those brutal! Words. 
those specific words and then i never went back to subway again. did you use the opportunity for a footlong joke because you're like prime oh, no, ready that's no. the way to come back from that is talk about something i was being so footlong. i was so i was destroyed emotionally you know like i just i wasn't in a quippy like cool phase of my life right then i was just like i felt so silly because it's like i knew exactly what the smell was that she was totally. talking about because i had just been there you know what i mean like i was just sweating spicy italian you know yeah i went on a few dates where the girls were like wow dude and like like have them in their car and this was the time in my life when my driver's side door didn't open either so i'd have to open the passenger side seat and climb over and i always it was like open the door and i'd be like this is not me being a gentleman i'm sorry i have to climb over like i'm not opening the door for you i actually have to go first and then your car stinks like subway and then it smells like subway as like a double whammy though i don't know it really never hurt me you know i felt like it was fine like yeah they're also trying to sue me because i'm so fresh my brother worked at three different quiznos wow and if, you, if you've been if you've been following along on instagram everybody vaughn my brother worked at quiznos he worked at one in bend and uh, it closed while he was working there and so they moved him to another one in bend that closed while he was working there and then when we moved to portland he got another job at another quiznos that closed while he was working there and then he got another wow, job it's like, at what point are we going to be like all right guys this might be you vaughn <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty crazy how he kept skipping around from quiznos to quiznos but that see man like while we're talking about sandwiches like quiznos sandwiches. is way better than some way better it's way way is better. quiznos still around i think there's like a couple in like colorado or something okay or there might be one that chicken carbonara though oh it was so good oh, dude as of december 6th 2023 there were 145 quiznos restaurants that's remaining in the united that's states a pretty decent amount actually that is pretty good as a down from 176 in 2022 so they only lost like 30 per year so we should be able to get uh, quiznos going for another eight or nine years and then we're done i remember <laughs> uh so i used to go in like I, I worked at a noodles and company in beaverton oregon right next to the quiznos that vaughn worked at and so we would trade food all the time and uh, so I would always get like uh, chicken carbonara or like some kind of like BLT or something. It was really, really delicious. And I remember when Vaughn and I lived together too, but like Vaughn would come home from work and he'd be like, man, like this business is just like, it's failing. I'm like working here and I can just, <laughs> I can just feel like this is the atmosphere for this. Like we've got corporate coming in all the time and they're all just like, are stealing it's things. so crazy. <laughs> and then I remember once he came home and he was like, this is it. This is what's going to ruin Quiznos. And I was like, what is it? And he was like, we have a lobster sandwich now. Ooh. And I was like, damn, dude. <laughs> like, like a lobster that is sandwich? so disgusting. Yeah. Like, like, especially like in the middle of the nation, you know, it's like going to like a Dairy Queen in like <laughs> South Dakota and having like the fresh caught cod. You know, yeah. you're like, oh, bro, like we're well, a I mean, long way from the ocean right now. Yeah. I mean, it's like, Oh, if you pay eleven dollars for a lobster sandwich, like, is that really lobster? Like, it sounds really it? disgusting. Uh, but yeah, it's just mean, in like sandwich form too. Like, yeah, and they yeah they like paired it with like a lobster bisque. You know, like, just, <laughs> like so. Like, why did you guys go to? Lo it's just so funny that a company. We can... had a crab at Subway for a little while. I remember. Oh, gross, dude! Oh my god, dude! But like, it's so interesting that a company can be objectively like objectively taste better than subway right like right, it was right. obviously but like it, i'm not even <laughs> i'm not even saying like depending on your the day you're having like subway no, could really like hit the literally spot. no like quiznos is use better, ingredients. better quiznos just like couldn't figure it out like i don't know the bread like what it is and like and i'm sure there's some kind of like real big like three hour long youtube 
Right, because it's not like Ford, blockbuster but... Hollywood video that like a, a new technology came along that kind of supplanted yeah, them like so nobody can like sandwiches. Right, it's like people know? still yeah exactly. So like that's weird. I don't really get it. It's so strange, and and I think what it was is like you always want to go. I've, I've never run a restaurant before, but I feel like you always want to like simplify more than you want to try to like expand. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Right. You like, want a niche I could and be, simple. I could, I could be totally wrong, but like, look at like In-N-Out. You know what I mean? Like that's just... There's like four things on the menu. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> like, and people are lined up around it. Like if In-N-Out all of a sudden was like, we're doing mozzarella sticks and we're doing like corn dogs and we're doing... Totally, like, all the totally. Yeah. Like, Pizza gross. slices. Like, <laughs> it's so weird, man. I will never understand the In-N-Out thing. Like when one opened up, I forget, somewhere somewhere within like an hour of me driving uh, here in Bend, people were driving like, like twice a week to go to In-N-Out. Like when it opened up, there was like a line around the block. People would wait hours yeah. for the In-N-Out. And like I would have an In-N-Out. First time I had an In-N-Out, I was like, oh man, this is going to be a hamburger made from gold. And I was like, that was like a, a good fast yeah, food. It is hamburger. good. It is a good cheese. It is good, but it's like, sure. like, it's not wait in line two hours good not drive an hour to get to it good the fries bum me out like that's the yeah i mean it's just it's like i really like the burger but yeah i mean i i think it's just you know especially here in oregon and if you're listening right now and you're you're from europe or asia or you're you're not from the west coast of the united states but i'm sure you've heard of in and out and it's just it really is just burgers and fries like i mean there's really nothing that's it's just there's something about it that like it tastes like really fresh i don't know how else to put it like it's just when you eat it 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 just tastes really freshly made and i think that's probably part of the allure of it and it's like mm. the bread is like kind of crispy it's just, it just works really really well but also there is a certain kind of like blandness to it that i don't understand why people wait like six hours to eat you know yeah, like i just the, don't get it either like it is really but i will say like i mean if you put in and out or carl's jr or something in front you know what i mean oh, in like, and out every time like, yeah exactly so it is kind of like a it's like a little bit it's just like 10 percent better <laughs> than the totally kind of like carl's jr is 10 percent better than like dairy queen or um mcdonald's and i don't know how dairy queen's still doing it dude dude i don't i, I think it's I the cool it. eats it's got to be the cool eats it can't uh, be the hot the, 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 the yeah. cool treats excuse me yeah, it's not totally. the hot eats because their hot eats are not not breaking any records. I love how you stayed within like the the cool the cool treats and hot eats like dude cool treats and hot eats man. But the cool treats that's why they're still in business because their cool yeah. treats are just the best. You're not beating a blizzard. I don't care who you are. You know, dude. I don't think I'm ever gonna eat Subway like ever again. Wow, that's like, great. That's a crazy. I just, thing I just don't see like it's I mean, just... I'm like treat yourself. I guess <laughs> it's just gross, dude. It's just gross. Yeah, I totally get why you think that, and I'm kind of confused even at myself that I don't think that, especially having worked behind it's the scenes there. But for you, it must be. I think like, so. It must, maybe it must be nostalgia. Riding down memory lane. I always, I will say, I get really frustrated. I've asked many, many, many people if I can make my own sandwich, um, and one person let me years ago. Uh, they were like, "Yeah, dude, come on back here." I was like, "Yes," because I was just frustrated. They just don't know how to do it right, you know. It's crazy. You know, like the other day I said, I want uh, mayonnaise on half of it. Just one side of the sandwich. They put it up to like half of the foot long, like 60s. I was like, what? Like, of course I don't mean, I don't know. It was a ridiculous. Wait, hang on, explain yourself a little bit here. Like so. I didn't want it on the bread, on both sides of the bread. You know, I just want it on one side of the sandwich. Why would that and ever I, matter at all? Like how dude, would that? The, the, because on one side of the sandwich, I had um, some cheese there and cheese is a good block to get before it can touch the bread. And the more it touches the bread, the more soggy it'll get. Trust me, I put a lot of thought into how to build a Subway sandwich the right way. And because uh, people always like they put the 
sauces on after it's like the last thing you do right they were like what veggies do you want and you put the sauces on which is ludicrous if you put a lot of veggies on there because if you put all the sauce on and fold it up they get all the sauce gets pushed to the top so you have these like bites that are just like straight mayonnaise and then you have everything else which is like dry all the other fixings you know so as soon as you get done putting the meat and the cheese on then like putting it in the toaster whatever if you do that then you want to put apply the sauces but you want to apply it to the side that has the most like not the side that has just bread you know so you want to apply it on top of the on the side that's just bread because it gets soggy the sauce gets oh the bread gets, oh my the god the bread gets dude. soggy uh, yeah <laughs> sorry it's late i've had a long day <laughs> no so you're the, good you're good the bread so the bread gets soggy if you put the sauce totally. directly on the bread. interest yeah exactly and then you hmm. put your veggies on the other side and then it kind of comes together you've got nice even layer of sauces and uh your bread is nice and protected you know man you should be running sandwich artist classes i, I hope it's really condescending should. like but Dude, we used to time ourselves right now. This has just been one yeah. big giant hour long uh, ad for Subway. Everybody, we got. <laughs> I, know we finally I don't got, know if it's been an <laughs> ad though. Like I don't know if they'd be I know, like, I've yeah, been kind of shitting the on them Subway. the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went to school and this girl told me I smelled bad. <laughs> right, right. I'm over here like confused as to why I like it so much. Like I know it's awful. It's just like <laughs> it just tastes rubbery to me. Well, about like ten minutes ago, we had a really good segue into what I wanted to talk about next, but we've sure. moved past that. No, so go I'm going to pretend no. that it was ten minutes ago and talk about what I watched, which was the first episode and the second episode, which are the only ones that are out now of the Halo show, which come out. So I know me and the two other people in the world watching it and enjoying it <laughs> uh, is into that, and you know. It's like not a very good show. It's 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 very similar. Actually, Subway was a better segue than I thought it was, actually, because it's something that I really like that's really not that quality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I don't know why, because I wasn't even that into the I mean, I played a lot of Halo 1 and 2 on the computer. Or you don't have to explain computer. yourself, man. Just like the Halo that. show. I just like it. It's, it's funny how much of like a and I mean this with like all the love in my heart, but like, you know, the Halo like Master Chief and like the Halo, um, the the Spartans, they were like genetically altered to be like bigger and larger and stuff and man they are like i mean this again with all the love of my heart but they're they're a pack of meatheads like the <laughs> well, main yeah, dude his like face is just like the meatheadiest and meatheady looking dude like you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> he looks like a thumb like why that's the people that's who i want in those majolner armor like dude, that's straight up i don't want anybody else in those things yeah like the no he's like people huge. you can find you see him compared to like a regular person that person's coming up to like his chest maybe and he's just like like i don't know we get in our heads where you hear about like a 10 foot tall person or like reading the bible about goliath or something you're like okay and you kind of look up and you think about the the height right you're like well this door you know this roof is about 10 feet up if you don't have like a vaulted ceiling or something you're like that's not like that huge i don't think why it's that scary but it's like it's not really just the size that we're talking here it's the girth like the <laughs> thickness of a 10 foot tall person like those arms like you're, you're his leg is bigger than you are you know so it's like yeah. a lot scarier to think about a tall person than just the the height of them it's like no no no. but think about like the bones and the musculature that are required to hold up that much weight that is a scary person that's why i've always really loved loved halo so much is because it really puts you in like everywhere you go when you're playing that game it's just like oh my god like a spartan is here it, like it, right. and they really like kind of drive home like how intense it would be to see one of these people because i think uh in the lore before the show probably i mean i think he's seven feet tall and like 400 pounds or something like he's that like easily that in the yeah, show he's too like gigantic and then the, the armor makes him even bigger too yeah uh and so like all the odsts and all the other soldiers and stuff like yeah they're really formidable but not even close what's an odst 
Um, it's like one of these, I think, special ops. Um, oh, a little Halo Flex lore. Nice word. Yeah. Uh, but the Spartans are just like gigantic. So it's kind of cool. I mean, it sounds like the show uh, is showing that at least, right? Totally. That's cool. Yeah. And they do a good job of like including all the trauma from their past. And because like apparently the like Spartan program, weird. I don't know yeah. if this is in, if, if this is canonical lore, but, um, you know, it was like not very moral what they did to they were these like kids, kidnapping you know? kids um yeah I, I, yeah I and like cloning remember. them and replacing them like, right like <laughs> the they were like that died real quick i think they were like faking their deaths or something like that i can't remember yeah. exactly. is that true i can't remember well i, I think some of them they did but i know they cloned plus. some and then they would yeah. inject the clones with like something that would die of natural cause natural quote-unquote causes over the, over the next two weeks or something then they totally. would replace the yeah. kid with them then they would die real fast you know before the parents could figure yeah, out none the wiser that's really super messed up and then like a lot of kids didn't survive through like the mutations and stuff, the, the the surgeries that we're doing to make them so huge and beefy and good at fighting, you know, so it was like really not a great thing to be doing to children. But they do a good job of injecting the show with that and having some trauma and having that like be obviously put into the correct light of like, this is not cool. How could people hate this show so much? Like what's what what is it about the show that people are having a problem with? Is it like not adhering to the story as well? Or is it just like, what, what's up with it? I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of a simple show of uh, meatheads fighting aliens, you know? That's fine. Uh, it, like I acknowledge it's like not deep really. It's probably not even that good of a show, but man, I, I really enjoy it. Kind of like fast food stuff. Yeah, you know, and, and very similar to the subway. It was a way better segue than I really realized that uh it's very similar. It's not that quality, but man, I've really the minute to minute actual show of it is super entertaining. And that's all I got for the week. The only thing uh, else that I want to do is uh I want to open a package for some book mail and then thank some countries if we got time for that. Sure, let's do it. Cool. Um let's open book mail first. Oh, I almost cut the thank you note in half. Uh, that's good that I did not do that. Hell yeah. Okay, so this book is A Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking Ooh, by T. Kingfisher. Nice. Hell yeah. I've heard that's wow, awesome. Wow, cool. This book won the Lodestar Award for Best Young Adult. Do you know, have you heard about this book? I know I've heard of T. Kingfisher before, but I haven't um, heard of this one specifically. Yeah, totally. Uh, this is from Jess or Aiden. Uh, thank you for all the awesome content you and Evan provide. Kingfisher is one of the best authors I've found recently. I plan on reading all her books this year, so I wanted to share the wealth. Happy reading. Thank you so much, Jess. I really, uh, really, really appreciate the book mail. Just because I love books, obviously, and I love getting things, obviously. But uh, man, I'm just, there's something so... Something so pure about getting like a book from a stranger in the mail that I mean, I mean, they're not really a stranger, you know, they've probably been listening to us for a long time, but like someone who I have never met in person who like knows what sort of book that I would like and takes the time to send me a book. There's something so special and like it really can change like a bad day and just like, man, I got book mail. How special, you know, <laughs> it's such a good feeling. I'm going to read the back of this book. Do it. 14 year old Mona isn't like the wizards charged with defending the city. She can't control lightning or speak to water. Her familiar is a sourdough starter, and her magic only works on bread. She has a comfortable life in her aunt's bakery, making gingerbread man dance. But Mona's life is turned upside down when she finds a dead body on the bakery floor. An assassin is stalking the streets of Mona's city, preying on magic folk, and it appears that Mona is his next target. And in an embattled city suddenly bereft of wizards, the assassin may be the least of Mona's worries. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I would totally read that. Hell yeah. Thank you so much, Jess. This is awesome and special. And as always, your lovely little note here will be my bookmark and will be forever held safely within the pages of this book. So when I read it again, which I'm sure I will do one day, um, I'll be reminded of you as well. So thank you so much. That means a lot to me. 
and then country gratitude, a bunch of them. So I'm going to go by them really fast here. So at the top, the ninth position, which is awesome. We're talking out of 44,000 when I looked that up two years ago. We're ninth in ireland whoa thank you ireland wow yeah Jeez, i was like that's dang so cool. and then right behind them we've got egypt at 13th thank you, thank you egypt i would love to visit the pyramids one day that would be so cool i've heard that you don't quite get it until you've seen them in person so i'll be there one day egypt i'll let you know when i'm coming uh greece is at 18 nice greece thank you, greece yeah all these under 20 we've got indonesia who has graced this list many many times but we've got 19th in indonesia uh slovakia we've got 21st position and Denmark the 22nd position. New Zealand, which is a huge country for us, I think it's in the top five list of, list of the largest um, people from, from the country that listen to us, is 25th, which is also really cool. And then we jump up to the 57th position with the Philippines. And then finally, we have Finland coming in at the 96th position. Wow. Yeah. And then we've got Canada and the United States as our top first and second being the United States and the second being Canada. The biggest audience that listen to this podcast, if you're like, where are we on this list? You guys are still killing it. We've gone up more than 200 points uh, places in the last two weeks. And we at Canada, we are at 141st. Wow. So pretty close to the top 100 list. And then the United States, we're at 154th. So Jeez. thank you guys so much. I just can't. Thank you. In the enough. top 200. Wow. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Super special. So uh, really, really appreciate you guys listening to us and sticking it, out, sticking it out with Evan and I. I know we go on food rabbit trails perhaps <laughs> too much, but uh, it's just a thing we do. And man, I'm so stoked and just feeling blessed that you guys have listened to us and honored us with those positions. So thanks, guys. We're going to close this out with a question from our Discord. Uh, this And you can ask us questions in the BRK questions area channel of the Discord under the activities category. It's up at the top. And this question comes to us from Lindsay. I kind of want to make you guys do more hot takes. So here's my Monday morning <laughs> minute idea. You've Love just it. met a friend of a friend at an event or something, and you ask what they're reading. What answer makes you dip out of that conversation as fast as possible? And in parentheses, it says, I don't really read doesn't count. <laughs> OK, well, this is a hard one to answer because yeah. some of the things that I like to talk about the most are books that Other I don't like. I mean, read. it's just easy oh, to I talk about it. Movie. You know, it's interesting. Totally. So it would be hard to like if someone my, my initial reaction was the wheel of time. But I think to caveat that, just to make me dip out, is if they precursor it somewhere along them telling me that is like, and I love it so much, like literally the best thing I've ever read before. We'll, then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to change the topic because I really have like the opposite opinion of to, that. Yeah, and I don't want to just like, <laughs> you'd have to get out of that conversation. Yeah, maybe. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if they're like, I don't know how I feel about it, I'd be like, where are you at? First three, drop it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a really cool answer, actually, because you don't want to like yuck somebody's yum just for totally, the sake yeah, of like, harsh having their mellow. The yeah, yeah, that totally, makes sense. totally. What would you say? I think maybe mine's kind of like close to yours. I mean, like I wouldn't necessarily try to end the conversation, but I feel like the conversation would lose a lot of steam if I was like at a, a party or something and somebody was like 30 books into the Horus Heresy, like Warhammer 40K stuff right now. It'd be yeah. really difficult for me because like even being a big fantasy nerd, it's like I just know nothing at all about nothing. it. So it's like it's so hard to like give that conversation the legs that it deserves because I've never talked about it. But I think that I have conversational prowess. Like I could probably like, Ooh, well said. I like that was a sexy sentence. I have conversational but also prowess. With, with stuff like wheel of time or, or Horace heresy and stuff. I feel like there's like when people find out that you're also a fan of fantasy books, but you guys haven't read the same stuff. It's like you you can just keep asking until you find something that you both have read and then you can just talk about those things. So that's totally. pretty cool. It's always kind of a fun game to play. It's like people sure. live in a small town. Like we can find a person who we both know for sure, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think a red flag for me would be 
and this has never really happened to me in person. It's it's absolutely happened to me online a bunch <laughs> of times. But I think if I was at a party or something and somebody, um, you know, because I have been introduced to people uh, now that some of my friend group and stuff knows what I do for a living and, and stuff. I have been introduced to people as like, hey, this is Evan. This is a guy that reads. If I, w- if I was at a party and, and I said, yeah, mo- mostly I read genre fiction, like fantasy, sci-fi, and horror. If somebody was like, oh, well, like, I don't really read that stuff. I mostly read um, nonfiction and biographies and stuff like that, and classics and stuff like that. I would still want to have a conversation because I've read a decent amount of those things too. Right, and see like why they're interested in those sort of books. That's always interesting. Right, but if they if they said it with a certain like judgment or animosity or something... I just stick to the classics. I would, I would <laughs> dip out. I would dip out of that conversation. I think that younger Evan, more energ- energetic Evan probably would want to have the argument <laughs> but, like, come the blade. Yeah, but like i think now you know a little older a little wiser a little slower evan i'd be like that's cool i would just like kind of gracefully bow out of that conversation it's Holy. just like not worth having but i i am very grateful to have not had to you know most people are down to talk about whatever you know totally and you know like you said i'm pretty averse to bringing something down that somebody else really loves, you know, but I definitely would have some, if someone said like, oh, I only read the classics and reading like things that are very highly acclaimed, then I would definitely have some follow-up questions to kind of see if they're just telling me that to impress me or if they actually <laughs> do read those books. And I'd be like, oh, well, what about those books are you interested in? Like interests you? Like I try to get as specific as possible and seeing if they can only stick to generalities, you know, that they might've gotten from like bumper sticker or something, because then I, I just want to know, like, are they being real with me or are they just saying that to try to impress me, you know? And yeah. it's funny. And I think, a testament to just like how awesome what we do is and books in general, I guess, is, you know, I've heard from like a lot of political commentators that have podcasts and stuff like when they go home or they're like in an elevator or something or they're you know, getting served by somebody at a, a, a restaurant who notices who they are and like recognizes them and starts to like ask them questions about like politics or whatever. They're always like upset about it. They're like, man, like I get this is what I do for my job. I don't want to come home and talk about this more. And man, nothing could be farther from the case with me. When someone finds yeah, out that I'm a book yeah. co- book podcaster and they want to talk books, I'm not inwardly rolling my eyes being like, oh, woe is me. I have to talk about books. I'm like, I'm here for it, man. I'm like, hell yeah, let's yeah, talk about I'm books. I'm fine with it. Yeah. I know. So it's like we just we just picked a great, great niche full of the greatest people. I went to a Christmas party recently. It was hosted by some people that I've met a couple times. They're really, really awesome people. But this guy that I'd met like a few times, you know, we never had like a super long conversation or anything, but he's a nice guy. I really liked him. I still really like him. But like, well, we get there and you know, have, have a beer or two. Then Effie was like, you should go down to the basement and check out Steven's collection. And I was like, Cool, like someone's got a bookshelf downstairs, you know. So we like go down there, and in my head, I'm like, oh, there's, you know, it's a guy with a with a shelf of books in the basement. Totally, you know? um, he collects. Which would still be cool. Books. I'm down to talk about it. I want to talk about it, man. When I, when I tell you. This is the largest media collection I've ever seen. And I was so excited to be down there. I like kept going down there. Was it just books? It was books and movies and video games and graphic novels and comic books. He used to work in a, a, he worked in a record store and he also worked in a comic book shop and probably got everything at like half off or more. And so he just had shelves on shelves on shelves of graphic novels and comic books and fantasy books. And and I was like like, aisles down there. (laughs) How do you have them displayed? Uh, this is mostly just a bunch of shelves, but I mean, it was like a, cool. it was like an entire finished basement with multiple rooms full, and it was, wow. and it was like I 
wasn't able to be present at the party almost because I kept going down and like looking at stuff. And I was just like right. in awe of this person's collection. Like I thought I had a big book collection. You're like a drug addict. You're like, I can't party when I know there's a basement full of drugs that I'm standing over. I felt bad because like I wanted to really nerd out with him about everything that ev literally everything in that room. But he was like the host of that party. And he probably you know would have I mean? wanted to nerd yeah, out totally, obviously with like, you too. Yeah. And there was like a lot of, it was just really cool seeing kind of like a really similar shelf of fantasy books to mine yeah, when I wasn't expecting nice. it at all. It was just like, how oh, was it organized? Damn. Like alphabetized? Uh, kind of or like was mine, it like... where it was kind of like all over the place, you know? Okay, um, okay. Yeah, I, don't, I don't put things by genre. Man, I had my shelves alphabetized for a little while. Ooh. And it was so dumb. Because I'm not trying to like call out anybody that does that, but like it's it's silly to have to reorganize your books every single time you get a new one. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, because totally, you can't just like move that forward. You got to create some space. So you got to move every yeah. book in front of you. You buy a book yeah. that's like Bob something. And you're like, no, the bees. Like, yeah. <laughs> so did you do it by author or by book I title? Just, I just put them up. No, no, no. When you had them alphabetized, oh, I did it by author. Author. Last author. Okay, name. I think that's smart. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but it was still like. I mean, I, if you're gonna do it, I think I alphabetized the series name if it was an author with multiple series. Too. Oh, okay. But what's annoying, so I think that if Powell's, if you're listening right now, I'm sure you're listening, uh, Powell's Always. City of Books. Every employee listens to this podcast. I hate the way that Powell's organizes their books because they they do it alphabetical by author last name, which is great. That's a that's the way to do it, you know? Sure. But they then alphabetize by title of the book and not series order. Oh, and what? And it's like, it's really annoying like to, so there's a series do, all over the place so it's like yeah like sanderson like like Oathbringer is not near way of, way kings, of kings you know right. what i mean like it, wow. so for somebody that has like no idea what anything is you know and I mean, pals to be to their credit they do have some some handy little charts and stuff but like um, they would sell more books if the second and third one was literally right next to the first one you'd be like I oh thought. well i'm just gonna grab all three of these duh but then also i was thinking about it and i was like well, if the first one was sold out, then people might think that the second one was the first one. Like, but oh. but it says on the book. I don't know. We don't have to get yeah, into totally. That. Yeah, that's, but, um, that's a weird way of doing it. Interesting. Yeah, I don't organize my shelves in any real particular way anymore. It's just it's just a big mess of books. It's just vibes. I always like. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I try to put the series together, you know, and the ones that like I have a signed shelf, like books that are special. Sure. You know, yeah. I have like a like a signed shelf that those books are signed or there's some special edition or something. Um, it's funny. Next time you're in a Barnes and Noble, you want a fun conversation. Find try to find like the floor manager or something or like someone with a little bit more power and ask them what their opinion is on the best way to organize books, not only by like author name, but then like, OK, how do you organize the books within that? Like get deep with it on them and you will find, you know, if you talk to three people, you will get three very different answers on the best way and the philosophy behind them, why that person thinks it is the best way to organize books. And then you learn about all these little feuds between like like at our local Barnes and Noble, there's a feud between the morning people like the morning people and the daytime evening people and that like they th have very different opinions about how it should be organized and so they when the one of them gets new books and has to put them up on the shelf they'll try to reorganize like the whole section and then the one who comes in in the morning but they'll only get like half of it done and then the one who comes in the morning is like annoyed that they did that so they'll try to undo it and so you kind of just get this like chaos and it never gets fully done and you kind of get this chaotic like organizational um mess which is actually talked about in the name of the winds about how the stacks are organized you know mm -hmm. different philosophies over the years have equaled chaos hell of just book organization and so it's always interesting to 
kind of see what people's opinions are because man some people will die on those hills and it's funny to listen to them talk about it yeah i um i don't know i i, I do run into the problem of not being able to find stuff i'm looking for sometimes me too yeah i'm like i knew i i, I couldn't i still can't find my copy of book lovers by emily henry i was trying to find it so i could make a video with it and no. uh it's just gone i don't know where it is like it's just i put it somewhere it's probably I could have put it backwards on a shelf somewhere in my house somewhere and I'll never, I won't find it for years. I haven't seen my light bringer since we finished it. Really? <laughs> yeah. I was looking for it the other day. And I was like, well, how is it? <laughs> it's a big book too. I know. Well, uh, speaking of, uh, speaking of staying organized, let's, uh, let's cut this one, you know, let's, let's, let's get let's, out of here. Let's be finished up with this one. I need to go, go read. read. Yeah. I want to go read, uh, I'll probably read uh, the world of the many tonight. I think I'm going to finish up, uh, Crown of the, yeah. Crown of the yeah. Thank you. Good <laughs> you know what it is. Yeah, I was like, crown of glass. No, wait, thorn of breaking? No. <laughs> a court of glass and thrones. A court of glass at midnights. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Monday Morning Minute. We really appreciate you so much. So much. Uh, we have a Discord, we have a Patreon, we have our respective social media accounts. Stay tuned for more episodes. Hope you have an amazing rest of your day. And of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody. <laughs>